Welcome to today's program. My name is Rick Renner and my dear friend, I've been waiting for you. What a wonderful moment when we can sit down together and study the Bible. And this week we began a brand new series called Keeping Your Thinking Straight. And on Monday, we saw how we need to get rid of wrong thinking. Well, to get rid of it, you have to be able to identify it. Then on Tuesday, we talked about the five steps to change your thinking. Then yesterday, we covered thinking straight about religion. That was very informative. And today, we're going to see what the Bible says about keeping your thinking straight about prejudice in the church. You can't fix all the prejudice in the world, but we can deal with prejudice in the church and that's what we're going to be dealing with today. And tomorrow, we're going to see about keeping our thinking straight about economic status and money. Anyway, order the whole series, which is called Keeping Your Thinking Straight, Biblical Guidelines for Thinking Straight in a World All Messed Up. And it comes with a study guide, and you can order these by going online or by giving us a call right now. And we're also offering you my book, which is called How to Keep Your Head on Straight in a World Gone Crazy. The subtitle says Developing Discernment for These Last Days. Do you have a copy of this book? If not, you need to order this book today. This is a must read because we're leaving, living in the end of the age when Jesus prophesied the world would go berserk at the end of the age. We need to keep our head on straight even though we're living in a world that seems to have gone crazy, and especially the first three chapters of this book will be riveting to you because I really deal with crazy issues where we need to keep our head on straight. And please remember that when you become a partner with our ministry, and a partner is anyone who regularly financially gives into our ministry to help us take this teaching to people around the world. I just looked at a list of the nations that are regularly tuning in to receive the teaching on this program, and it is quite amazing. I'm so humbled that God is using our program to touch people all over the planet, but it's happening because of partners. Partners' financial gifts enable this signal and this teaching to go to people around the world, and when you become a partner right from where you are without ever getting out of your chair or leaving where you are, just by going online or by giving us a call, you can literally become a force to change someone else's life. And my friend, we all need to think about what we can do to make somebody else's life better. And if this program is a blessing to you, please help us make it become a blessing to somebody else by becoming a partner. And the moment you become a partner, we're going to send you my book, which is called Life in the Combat Zone, and Denise's book called The Gift of Forgiveness, because we give these two books to anyone who becomes a part of our partner family. And remember that if you need prayer, we're waiting for the phone to ring right now. Or send us your email, and the moment it shows up in our inbox, we're going to grab that prayer need and go to heaven, and we're going to pray on your behalf, believing that God will hear us and God will answer you. But I'll be back in just a moment. Stay tuned for a teaching you can trust, a message that will inspire, strengthen, and equip you with vital insights and understanding from the Word of God. Here is Rick. 
Today, I want you to grab your Bible and turn to the book of James chapter 2, but I want to begin with a story. Many years ago, Denise and I heard that there was going to be an art auction in the center of Moscow. Well, we had no intention to buy anything, but we thought it would be fun to go and see how an art auction takes place. So we went and we took our places and looked around the room at the different kind of people that were in the room, and seated not far from me was a man who, to my eyesight, looked like a homeless person. And I kept thinking, what is that man doing in this auction? That man has no money. These pieces of art are very expensive. And again, Denise and I had no intention to buy anything. We were just there to observe. And as the auction continued, a piece of art came up for sale that was $1 million. Who do you think bought it? The man that I thought was a homeless person. He was the man with the most money in the room. I had judged that man by his external appearance. And many times we judge people wrongly based on what we see. And even prophets have been misled by what they see. For example, I want to read to you from 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 1. Samuel has come to the house of Jesse, and he's going to anoint one of Jesse's sons to be the new king of Israel. And the Bible tells us in 1 Samuel 16, verse 1, And it came to pass when they were come, that is, the sons of Jesse, that he looked on Eliab, and Eliab was tall and very handsome. And he said, Wow, surely the Lord's anointed is before me. From his external appearance, this looked like the man. But then in verse 17, the Lord said unto Samuel, Look not on his countenance, nor on the height of his stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord seeth not as man seeth. For man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. And this leads me to James chapter 2 and verse 1, where James says, My brethren... Have not the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with respect of persons. He's talking about judging people by their exterior or having prejudice in the church. And when he says with respect of persons, the Greek word literally means by looking at their face, by looking at their external appearance, acceptance based on their face, one that is affected by another person's external appearance appearance. Well, there's all kinds of prejudice and there's even prejudice in the church. But let's talk about different kinds of prejudice. And prejudice is when you're judged by what people think of you. Maybe they don't even know you or what people think they see about you or what they have judged about you. But the most common form of prejudice is based on skin color. And it's interesting, anybody with any kind of darker skin often feels prejudice against them. But there are other kinds of prejudice. You say, well, what kind? Well, there are Native American prejudice, where people have prejudice against those that are Native American. There are Asian prejudice, when people have a prejudice against anybody that is Asian. There is Jewish prejudice. That's not a surprise. We know that's very prevalent in the world today. There was German prejudice after World War II. There is Mexican prejudice. There is South American prejudice. There is Chinese prejudice. There is Japanese prejudice, which was especially prevalent after World War II. There is slanted eye prejudice. 
There's all kinds of prejudice that people feel against deep, different people groups. But even white people that are all white can have prejudice against each other. I live in Europe, I live in Russia, where everybody is generally white. But I'm telling you, just because everybody has the same skin color does not mean they get along with each other. White people can have prejudice against each other. For example, if you go to Europe, the French may have a prejudice against the British or the British against the French or the Germans against the Italian, or the Italians against the German, or people seem to all have a prejudice against the Polish, and they're all the same color. So it's not entirely based on skin color. Sometimes people just have different kinds of prejudice against different nationalities. But it's not always based on skin color or nationality other, either. There are other kinds of prejudice. For example, there is age prejudice. When people deem that old people are useless and they can't do anything anymore. And then there is youth prejudice. When people deem young people as those having no money, no experience, and generally selfish, just thinking about themselves, there is class prejudice. The rich versus the poor. The poor versus the poor. It's amazing. Even poor people may say, I'm poor, but I'm not that poor. Or there is a prejudice between those that are educated and those that are uneducated. There is disability prejudice, where people think that those that are handicapped can't contribute anything to life. That may not be true at all. Look at Stephen Hawking. He was in a wheelchair. He couldn't even speak normally, but the man was a genius who impacted modern science. Or how about orphan prejudice? Many people think those that are orphans are untrusted, they're street kids, they're always thieves. That's wrong. Or how about homeless prejudice? The idea that if you're homeless, you're probably a drug addict or you're an alcoholic or you're a failure, you've been irresponsible in some area of life. That is not always the case at all. Or how about sex prejudice, male against female, female against male, or how about unmarried prejudice? When you look at someone that is unmarried in the middle age and you think, wow, there's something wrong with them. Hmm, what's up that they never got married? Or there is even prejudice against families with a lot of kids. People deem them stupid and irresponsible because they have a lot of kids. My friends, that is not necessarily the case. Or how about weight Prejudice. If somebody's overweight, you judge them for being overweight. You have a prejudice against them. And sometimes when people are really, really skinny, you think they're not serious. Anybody that skinny, that tiny, that feeble certainly cannot be serious. Or how about foreign prejudice? Prejudice against workers that come from abroad or prejudice against foreigners. Why in the world are you here? A judgment against them. Or how about city prejudice. I live in Moscow, Russia, and there's a little bit of a prejudice against St. Petersburg. And the people in St. Petersburg think of themselves a little bit better than the people who live in Moscow. There can even be a city prejudice. Or how about clothing prejudice? You say, what is that? All right. Those who wear ties and those who don't. Those who wear suits and those who don't. Prejudice against kids who wear jeans that are filled with holes. You have a judgment against them. You have a prejudice against them. My friends, this is not right. You can't judge everything by a person's exterior. Or how about religious 
prejudice. What do I mean by that? There can be prejudice between denominations. There can be prejudice between larger churches versus smaller churches. The larger churches think you're small because you're not doing something right. And the smaller churches think you're large and you have no intimacy and you're not spiritual. There can even be prejudice between larger churches. My friends, there's all kinds of prejudice. Or how about accent prejudice. Yankees versus the Southerners. Southerners view the Yankees as being hard and snobbish. And Yankees may tend to think that anybody with a Southern accent is stupid. That is not right at all. But there's all kinds of prejudice. And prejudice comes to you as a result of life experience. Nobody is born with Prejudice. Babies feel no prejudice against anybody. We're not born with this. It is imparted to us by culture. It is imparted to us by society. It can be imparted to us by friends. It can be imparted to us by family. But prejudice is not natural. No one is born with prejudice. And prejudice is somehow acquired from an outside source. Now, my first job as a young man was working in a cemetery, and many times I would walk across those graves and would think it's amazing. Once people go in the grave, you don't know who they are. You don't know what color they were. By looking at their name, you can't even tell. My friends, prejudice is buried when somebody dies. Prejudice is wrong, my friends. We should not judge people by any of these external things. And in fact, when you read Galatians chapter 3, verse 28, and Colossians 3, verse 11, Paul says, in Christ, in Christ, we're talking about in the church, there is neither Jew nor Greek, male nor female, circumcision or uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and in all, and that should be the goal of the church and that's why we need to keep our thinking straight about prejudice inside the church. But let's go back to James chapter 2, verse 1, where James says, My brethren, have not the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with respect of persons. Verse 2, For if there come unto your assembly a man with a gold ring in goodly apparel, and there come in also a man in vile raiment. Now he's using comparisons, a rich man versus a poor man. Verse three, and you have respect to him that weareth the gay clothing and say unto him, set thou here in a good place and then say to the poor, stand thou there or sit here under my footstool. Verse four, are ye not then partial in yourselves and are become judges of evil thoughts? But when we go back to verse one, James begins by saying, my brethren. When he uses this word brethren, he's coming right down to their level. And in the book of James, James repeats this word brother over and over and over and over. He's not speaking condemningly or judgingly of those that he's writing to. He's connecting with them. He says, brothers, comrades, he's speaking to them common sense. And listen to what he says. Have not the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ. The word have is a form of the Greek word echo, which means to have, to hold, or possess. Don't hold, don't possess the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
And by the way, Lord Jesus Christ in this verse is just the second time in literature that we have a record of Jesus being called the Lord Jesus Christ. The first time is in James chapter one, verse one, but James is the oldest book in the New Testament and coming from the very mouth of Jesus' stepbrother, his half-brother, because he and Jesus had the same mother, but they didn't have the same father. Jesus' father was God. Joseph's father, uh, James' father was Joseph. Now from the very mouth of Jesus, brother, he says, have not the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ. He calls him the Lord Jesus Christ, the word Lord from the Greek word kurios, which describes supreme Lord, the very word used in the Old Testament Septuagint, which James would have used where it is translated Jehovah. The word Jesus means Yahweh saves. It is a declaration that he is Yahweh and he is a savior. The word Christ is the Greek word Christos. And when you put this whole phrase together, every time we say Lord Jesus Christ as a phrase, it means the Supreme Lord, Jehovah, Yahweh who saves the anointed one, the Messiah. That's who Jesus is. But he says, have not the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory with respect of persons. And again, respect of persons means do not judge people by their face or by their exterior appearance. Then in verse two, for if there come into your assembly, a man with a gold ring and goodly apparel, and there come in also a poor man in vile raiment. Well, when he says your assembly, the word assembly in Greek is synagogates, where we get the word for a synagogue, but it means a meeting place or a congregation. But when you read this in Greek, the sentence structure says, if there comes a man into the assembly or the meeting of yours, it's very important because he's personalizing it. He's really zeroing in on them. If a man comes into a meeting of yours, he's really talking to them and says he has a gold ring. This word gold from the Greek word krusos, which describes the most pure kind of gold. The word ring here is used to describe an embellished or highly ornamented ring. This is a gold ring that is highly, highly ornamented and obviously belongs to a person with means. Then he says he also has goodly apparel. Well, goodly apparel in Greek is two words, the word esthes and the word lampros. The word esthes pictures a robe or a vestment, something very fabulous. The word lampros describes bright, gorgeous, magnificent, resplendent, shining, sumptuous, and as a phrase, it pictures gorgeous or sumptuous clothing, obviously expensive and belonging to someone with financial means. So here comes a man into their meeting with a gold ring. Isn't it amazing how people always notice jewelry and wearing very magnificent clothing? And there come in also a poor man. The word poor, the Greek word petokas, meaning one who crouches or cowers probably because he is embarrassed at the way that he looks. It is a beggar, one that is poor, one that is deeply destitute, lacking in earthly resources, and it is the very Greek word for a pauper. So here comes a rich man that's dressed well, and here comes a pauper in vile raiment. Vile raiment, from the Greek word rupados, 
This word groparos describes clothing that is dingy, filthy, dirty, grimy, rank. It pictures one who nearly has lived in squalor. And now he also comes into the meeting. My friends, he needs to be in the meeting. He needs to hear the word of God. But verse 3 says, and you have respect. Hmm. Respect unto him that weareth the gay clothing. The word respect is the Greek word epi blepo. Epi means upon, blepo means to gaze. When you compound the two words together, it means to fix your gaze upon or to regard with favor the one wearing the gay clothing. And here is a great example of why we need new translations. Today, when people hear gay clothing, they hear something that is not intended by the text at all. The Greek really means gorgeous or sumptuous clothing, obviously expensive and belonging to someone with financial means. And you say to that man, sit thou here in a good place. The Greek literally means you be seated here in a place of honor and respect. But then you say to the poor or to the pauper, Stand thou there. You know what the Greek literally says? It says, hey, you, stand over there in a place that's out of the way where nobody will see you. It's less visible, less honorable. Get out of the way. Hey, stand over there under my footstool. This is so demeaning. And verse 4 says, are ye not then become partial in yourselves and become judges of evil thoughts? The word judges, the Greek word krites, which means critics. You've become opinionated. You have passed judgment. And James says it is evil thoughts. The word evil, the Greek word poneros, ay, ay, ay. It describes something malicious or malignant. It's foul. It's vile. It's vicious. It includes not only that which is dangerous to the physical body, but that which is also dangerous to the spirit or mind, which means prejudice and judgment is spiritually dangerous to us. It is an act or an attitude that is considered by God to be wicked, unholy, and impure. And the word thoughts is the Greek word dialogismos, which means inward reasonings. Your inward judgment of that person is vile. It is wrong, and in the sight of God, it is wicked, it is unholy, and it is impure. Well, what do you do if after listening to me today, you say, ay, 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 I think I have prejudice against one of these groups? Well, let me give you four things that you can do. Number one, become aware of your prejudices and ask the Holy Spirit to help you to change. Find out what your prejudices are and ask the Holy Spirit to show you the source of your feelings. Number two, once you acknowledge your prejudice, acknowledge that you are wrong and repent. You need to repent. It's wrong in the sight of God. Number three, spend less time with prejudiced people and prejudiced media. Who are you spending your time with and what are you listening to? We're influenced by the people we spend our time with. We tend to think like them. So be careful of who you spend time with. Be careful of how the media affects you. Be alert. The media can affect you and make you think wrongly of a certain group of people. And number four, broaden your horizons and get some new experience. What do I mean by that? Ask the Holy Spirit to help you reach out to someone in the group that you're tempted to be prejudiced against. Learn to work with them with an open mind and see what you can learn. Keep an open heart and try to see what the world looks like to them through their eyes 
and to experience the things that they feel and experience from others. And remember that in Revelation chapter 5, verse 9, it tells us when we get to heaven, none of us are going to be judged by our color or by where we are from. The Bible tells us that whenever John was in heaven, he heard ten thousands and ten thousands of voices, and they sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof, for thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation. We're all going to be in heaven. And my friends, that kind of unity needs to begin in the church now, and that's why we need to keep our thinking straight about prejudice in the church. But I'll be back in just a moment, and I'm going to pray for you. Is your thinking right or wrong? If you figured out that some of your thinking is wrong, how do you fix it and start thinking healthy and right thoughts? What goes on inside your head determines what goes on in your life. So keeping your thinking straight is really important. In this five-part series, Keeping Your Thinking Straight, Rick Renner will teach you five steps to change your thinking. Thinking straight about religion. Thinking straight about prejudice in the church. Thinking straight about economic status and money. Available in digital and physical formats starting at just $10. You'll learn how to identify wrong thinking and start thinking healthy, powerful, and life-changing thoughts. In addition, we are also offering you Rick's book, How to Keep Your Head on Straight in a World Gone Crazy. In this book, you'll discover what Christians need to be doing to stay out of the chaos and remain anchored to truth. You'll also learn how to stay sensitive to the Holy Spirit, to discern right and wrong teaching, to be grounded in prayer, and to be spiritually prepared for living in victory in these last days. Let Rick take you deep into New Testament prophecies about the end of the age and about what you need to do to sail successfully through turbulent end-time waters. This powerful and eye-opening book can be yours for just $20. Don't miss this special offer, this series, Keeping Your Thinking Straight, and the book, How to Keep Your Head on Straight in a World Gone Crazy. Call the number on your screen now or go to renner.org to order. Call or go online now. Friends, this is Rick Renner. I want to give you a good report. It is amazing. But we just signed the papers to purchase our new building in Tulsa, a new headquarters for our ministry. We've been in the same location for years and years and years, and we've outgrown it. And because so many people are reaching out to us for more teaching and for prayer and for ministry, we need more space so we can effectively minister to them. And at the same time, we're constructing our studio in Moscow, where we're going to be filming the most wonderful Bible teaching programs that touch people all over the world. But the only reason we're able to do all of this at one time is because of people like you that are members of our giving team. And because of your gifts, we're able to do this in Tulsa, we're able to do this in Moscow. And my friends, I want to remind you that it's not about the buildings, no, no, no. It's about people that need to be touched. We just need space so that we can minister to them. And I want to say thank you so much for being a part of the giving team and remaining a part of the giving team as we get the buildings ready and put up walls and get ready to produce programming 
and to minister to people all over the face of the planet. And if you're not a partner and a member of our giving team yet, please become a part of our team today. Well, today we have covered a lot of material about prejudice in the church and what God thinks about it. And I've given you four recommendations about what you should do if you have prejudice toward any group. And my friends, you should order the entire series, which is called Keeping Your Thinking Straight, Biblical Guidelines for thinking straight in a world all messed up, we need to learn to think like God. That means we need to work really hard to keep our thinking straight. We do not need to think like the world. And today we've been seeing that prejudice is not acceptable in the church in the eyes of God. And it comes with a study guide. And we're also offering you right now my book, which is called How to Keep Your Thinking how to keep your head on straight in a world gone crazy. You can keep your head on straight even in a world gone crazy. And the subtitle says, Developing Discernment for These Last Days. You can order all of these things by going online or by giving us a call. And please remember that we want to pray for you. So call us or send us an email. And I want to pray for you right now. Father, thank you that you want us to think straight about people. Help us, Lord, not to be judgmental of people based on their external appearance. Help us to have your heart for everyone. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, I'll see you tomorrow, but remember Ecclesiastes 8.4, where the word of a king is, there's power.